the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. Hello everyone, it is your favorite host, I am Shay. We are back with another episode of Proverbs and Politics. I am so, 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 so excited to be back recording again. I am so excited for this episode. This episode is titled The Twelve Apostles, Revivalists and Revolutionaries. I'm just excited to be back talking to y'all really. Um, I know that we have just been through so much craziness and chaos um, and so forth. But yeah, I'm just excited to be back talking to y'all. I'm so bad. I'm so glad to be back in the studio. And we're going to jump right into this episode. So, um... A lot has happened since the last time I talked to y'all, and I mean a lot. The whole entire shift in the earth has literally, like, shifted again, and maybe about three more times since then. Um, Of course, we give honor and we give respect um, to George Floyd, to Breonna Taylor, to... um, Ahmaud Arbery, we give honor to all of those who we have lost in the fight, um, in the resistance since then, who are out there protesting um, and things of that nature. Um, And there have been a multitude, there have been 120 plus people who have died over the last 20 something days, uh, just protesting um, against police brutality, against state sanctioned violence, uh, really against uh, what let's call it what it is against domestic terrorism inflicted by the government on its own people. Um, So we are in very unusual, but not really unusual because people have been speaking, the prophets have been speaking, the prophets have been talking um, in these times through anyone who, you know, you may not have known necessarily what it was, but uh, anyone with a spiritual ear can could have inclined that these type of times were coming. Um, so everything, what we see may not necessarily be ideal, but I do believe that it is necessary for where God is taking uh, the church, where God is wanting to, what God is wanting to do in America, and not only other, just America, uh, but countless other nations have bloodshed on their hands, um, have injustice on their hands. And so I think that what we are seeing, like I said, a lot of this unrest, a lot of resistance, a lot of rebellion, and so forth, like I said, it's not ideal. Do we always condone necessarily the manifestation of how this unrest is happening? No, but we understand it to be necessary. And we also um, are able to be compassionate and sympathize and empathize with a entire generation's pain. And that's something that I want the church to understand is that when you what you see spilled out over into the streets is not just simply people are mad and people acting a fool and they don't know how to act. Da, 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 da. Yes, quarantine. Um, you know, not everybody is saying because of quarantine, you know, um, folks are have lost their jobs. Unemployment are at record is at record high. Um, we are being traumatized, traumatized and triggered on the internet all the time. However, but this is also on top of all of that, there is a intergenerational grief. This is grief from 1619. I want, I want people to realize that this did not just show up, um, eight years ago with Trayvon. It didn't just show up even, uh, 20 something years ago with Rodney King, but this thing has followed us, has followed our parents, our grandparents, our great-great-grandparents, um, and so forth, all the way back to the shores of Africa. And so that the, and so the stain of colonization um, is continuously picking at the wounds of slavery, of, gen- of syst- a systemic genocide, of police brutality, uh, through police brutality, through mass incarceration, um, and so on and so on. So I really want the church to understand that this is not just simply, oh, one man's death and it caused all this. No, 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 no. It, th- this is the tipping point. Uh, people don't have no health care people ain't got no money education is poor there's just so so many issues and so we are on the brink of a revolution 
Amen. And we are also in the church in spiritual terms. We are we are in some of the greatest days we have seen uh, in the church. The church has yet to see our best days. We are in the midst of a great, great awakening um, of revival, which is why the title of this episode is focusing on the 12 apostles, the revivalist and the revolutionaries. We know that Jesus was very much radical. We know we talk and I've seen so many people misspeak talking about Jesus would want peace and unity and love for all. And yes, Jesus wants. Yes, he's a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. Yes, Jesus desires to see us in his church uh, united worshiping. Uh, but remember, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. I came to bring the sword that will turn mother against daughter, father against son, so on and so forth. Um, And understand that Jesus, the sword is also uh, justice is a part of that sword. Um, Amos 5 and 24 says, let justice run down like water. I talked about this on my social media a little bit. And I actually wanted to go live about it. However, I decided to save it for this episode uh, because revival, because revolution is messy. It will get bloody. It will get destructive, much like water. We know that water, um, obviously, we go to the beach and it's a nice scene. Um, however, water can also turn dangerous very fast. Water can come from out of its place in the sea, in the ocean, and it can touch land and it can barrel over trees. I'm talking about 100-year-old trees with roots miles miles and miles through the ground um it can barrel through homes and 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 and, and cars or, or trucks that weigh tons of, of pounds with metal um water can be destructive water um can be fast water actually has has the ability the ability to be faster than the fastest man on earth the fastest man on earth is usain bolt by the way um and i believe it can it has the ability to go up to 30 meters per second um, that's really fast, guys. So understand that when justice runs down and the whole imagery of this Bible verse is kind of alluding to a um, a waterfall, a waterfall that falls into a stream. Um, so even when that 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 tipping point, that cliff that the waterfall goes over, remember, water begins to get faster as it heads over the cliff and it begins to barrel towards the cliff. So understand we are in a barreling moment. Justice running down, justice, um, even if you stand under a waterfall, um, the pressure hurts. If you guys have ever went to an amusement park and you stood under one of those little mini waterfalls you know ever felt like the pressure of it coming down on your back child it'll hurt so imagine what it feels like to a really like you know a waterfall coming over a really huge cliff and beating down your back water can bruise you um water can drown you and we are in a moment where some church some churches some establishments who proclaim christ the real is going to show which is why we're in the uh, uh why we're in a season of exodus because some people are going to drown some going to stay afloat for a little while and some are going to learn how to swim and some of us have already been swimming and bearing for this moment of justice running down of this tipping point um and so where was I going with this child oh so we're in the midst of a revival and a revolution so like I said the circumstances are not always ideal but sometimes they are a bit necessary and so we're focusing on the apostles because like I said Jesus was radical he was revolutionary um he was a state enemy an enemy of the state um everything Jesus did was illegal either if it was deemed by the Romans the Pharisees um the Sadducees all of them folks did not like that man um and Jesus being the revolutionary that he was he raised up more he indoctrinated more the 12 apostles and then from the 12 apostles also came more and so we're focusing on them today and focusing on acts um and so we're just gonna go go ahead and jump right into it the definition of the definition of revolution is a forcible overthrow of a government or social order in favor of a new system in the old testament we've seen multiple times where god led david um into battle um or even the the brothers of deny after she was raped um and they overthrew um oppressive and corrupt governments uh even after the people have really have really allowed themselves to be enslaved or to be ensnared under these governments. We know that the Israelites were oftentimes rebellious and disobedient, um, which caused them to come under the hand, like I said, uh, uh, 
of these um corrupt orders uh but revolution like i said we've seen multiple times the moses leading the children um the hebrew israelite slaves and children out of egypt um was a revolutionary moment um it was starting a new system a new social order uh and then the definition of revival is um, an increased spiritual interest or renewal in the life of a church, in our case of the church, congregation or society with a local, national or global effect after a moral decline. Uh, a lot of people have argued that the church has not been in her. The church will always thrive universal, universally. Uh, the gates of hell will never prevail against the bride of Christ, a.k.a. the church. Uh, AKA the body of Christ. Um, however, we know that we have seen, especially in America, the American church has just, as we have seen on display these past couple of weeks, um, they have lost their whole rabbit minds. Um, and it's, like I said, it's being very evident. However, um, we are on the brink of revival, which is why God is tearing down, God is pulling down, and God is having to shed light on some of these corrupt systems, even in the church, because the church can't be at the forefront of revolution, of revival, of justice, you know, because this next revival is of justice, but yet uh, we have injustice in our own church. We tolerate injustice. So God is reprimanding and he's rebuilding um, his buildings and his dwelling places. And so the reason why revolution and revival are so important to me um, is because I've been studying uh, a particular man. I posted him on my story for Caribbean Heritage Heritage Month uh, is Maurice Bishop, who was a revolutionary uh, in Grenada. He was the prime minister for about four years only, four or five years only. Um, He led an insurgence and he overthrew... Uh, basically the current prime minister and said, forget all that. Um, and he was very anti-capitalism, anti-imperialism, very much for the people. He was very beloved in his island. Um, however, actually another insurgents um, within the same party, it was kind of like a power struggle raised up and he was unfortunately executed. And I began to grieve over him because America had uh, detail, had called him a political criminal um, and he was very much opposed and called a communist, a socialist, uh, because remember, you know, the Amer- uh, a lot of times Americans, we just, we don't seem to look up the definition to things. And so we prejudge people on what our government tells us, uh, because we do live in a quote unquote democracy. However, it is a very fascist and imperialistic influenced democracy, um, However, with all that being said, he actually was said to have led a peaceful revolution. Um, it was called the Peaceful Revolution because there was really no bloodshed. Um, on the day, I believe it was a Sunday and a Monday, where he actually led the insurgents, um, it was called the No, the, the no Blood Sunday. Because uh, we know a lot of times throughout history, revolutions are very bloody and brutal. Uh, so we have a lot of them who are called, oh, Bloody Sunday or Bloody This, Bloody That, because there was so much bloodshed. Uh, however, I looked at some of his principles and which he wanted to lead his country by. Um, illiteracy, illiteracy was at like a 30%. And he took it down to a 5%. Um, he championed for women's rights and equal pay. Um, and the women actually did have e- did have equal pay, had paid um, maternity absence. Um, he took poverty, like poverty. He literally, he almost like eradicated, uh, nearly eradicated poverty and famine off of his island. And this is, a, at the time, it was a small island of 90,000 black, uh, yeah, nine, well, uh, 90,000 people, majority black. Um, and as I begin to study the, the principles of revolution, you realize, um, and then when you compare them to revival, uh, of course, mo- notoriously, we have uh, the one in the book of Acts, after Jesus has died and he has left the Holy Spirit for them or he sends the Holy Spirit down to the apostles um, and to the, the, the remaining followers and disciples. A lot of times they revive on revolution. They intermix. Um, there is a point where they begin to overlap. 
Um, because when you think about it, the Jews wanted a God or wanted a Messiah, a savior that, um, would take them from under the hands of the Romans. Um, but they, it didn't happen like they thought it would, um, and wanted to establish a new order. So essentially the Jews of that time of Jesus, they wanted a revolution, but they just were unable to identify their revolutionary um, because he pissed them off so bad. Um, and he went against all the traditional, all the traditionalism against all the rules. Um, however, we see that um, he did bring them from under the oppression of the Romans Um but more so, and like I said, not a context in which they thought uh, it would be. Remember, the Bible says we fight not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, principalities, and dark powers. So Jesus' whole, his whole entire mission was to set the captives free, was to be on the side of the oppressed. But often, but unfortunately, the people he wanted to set free the most were just unable to recognize him at the time being. Um but in addition to that, um, any effectual revolution must be encompassed in revival. In the definition of revolution, um, after it, uh, after after it um, comes a more and new favorable 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 system, which is to be established, one which is more equal, morale, and righteous. Um, I just talked about this in the fourth episode, I believe, uh, called "Justice Is a Revival." Um, I said that justice was a divine reversal. It was taking one thing, one system, one person, one place which wasn't right, which was immoral, which was wicked, and making it new but righteous and sanctified. Um, I also talked about the cross, how the passion of Christ was justice, uh, because we always said that East, this past resurrection and Easter Sunday just felt very different. It felt like a shift was taking place. Um, and so Jesus, his death, the passion, uh, like I said, was an act, not only an act, but it was a manifestation. It was the ultimate form of justice uh, because an innocent man's blood was shed for captives and oppressed people to be free from oppressive systems. And he took on the wrath of God and he soothed the spiritual need for a sacrifice um and so we see what comes after Jesus right so we know that Jesus of course raises again um and proclaims victory over death we also know that after 40 days he leaves um excuse me, no, that Jesus um leaves after yeah after remaining um on the earth for a little while a while ascends up to heaven and then the uh apostles are in an upper room and they begin to wait and tarry on the holy spirit and after that we see an entire revival slash revolution happens um and so on one of my posters i talked about fire that revolutionaries and revivalists are always born by the same thing which is fire uh which is and a lot of times in the bible we see that fire uh represents a courage a boldness um a, a, a uncontainable desire to see justice to see things be made right um an excitement um, for justice and excitement, uh, for social reconciliation and excitement, uh, for peace, which, but therein obtained, um, through the rebellion of an oppressed people a lot of times. Um, and the, actually the most prevalent term for fire in the Hebrew Bible, um, is a Greek word called phos. I don't know y'all. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but that's how it's spelled P H O S. Um, and it means light. Um, or it's rendered as light. Uh, and so we see that fire is a source of light. Um, it's significant for the presence of God. Um, fire is purifying. It's holy. Um, and it, and like I said, it, it's significant for boldness. Jeremiah, um, had fire shut up in his bones. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse nine talks about that his word, that the word of God, um, 
was in his was literally in his physical body um and he couldn't contain it um and he said it's like fire shut up in my bones and i tried to hold it in i tried to hold it back but i could not and so we see that there's a fire to those who are called there's a fire to those who are the radical ones who are called for such a time as this in a need where justice needs to be rectified into the earth and into certain lands um and most significantly to me, um, another point of fire um, for a man was Isaiah. Isaiah was one of the uh, prophets. He was a major prophet um, in the Old Testament who prophesied about the coming of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Messiah. He called the Messiah the suffering servant. Uh, notice his choice of words. Isaiah himself was a man who could be looked at as a revolutionary, as a revolutionary prophet. He was a statesman. And um, he's also there, there are, there are, yeah, four prophets that are noted as, um, social justice prophets, um, or the books of social justice. Um, and that is Amos, Hosea, and Micah. Um, and numbered with them is Isaiah as a social justice prophet. Um, he expressed in Isaiah 1 and 17, uh, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The reason why I point out that verse is because one of the things you've seen from the prophets, um, or from just people in general who have been prophesying who have been speaking out about this coming day of justice is that God is with us it's different from there have been many um coups insurgents revolutions that have been tried to be born throughout the centuries um some successful some mildly successful some unsuccessful uh, but the difference in this time and age with the coming revival being of justice is that he's emmanuel the name meaning god is with us that god is remember i said god has a side and that side is justice and so god is on the side of the just he is on the side because he desires to see the captives set free he's his desire is to see uh those who are oppressed come from under um, oppression and experience liberty um, spiritually and naturally. Also, a lot of times Isaiah, um, not a lot of times, but in Isaiah 6, we see that um, Isaiah himself was praying and he became the one that he was praying for. Um in five in in verse five he says woe to me i cried i am ruined for i am a man of unclean lips and i live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king the lord almighty um so here you have isaiah um who was about to be commissioned or was who who was about to be called um and he is telling he is saying i am unclean i'm not worthy my guilt is too much um i don't deserve this woe to me however then the seraphim uh, mind you the seraphim is an angel um who we know is as like the burning one um he's at, it's actually or Traditionally has been called the burning one, um, but it is a creature um, which oftentimes we see is in is used or is significant in times of purification or wherever fire is present. Um, and so a seraphim flew to him with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With hit, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. So notice the seraphim had a live coal, which he took from tongs from an altar, which leads us to believe that there was some type of fire, some type of heat, some source of um, burning on the altar, which caused the coal to be hot. And when he touched uh, Isaiah's mouth with coal, Isaiah was immediately clean and he was purified. And then he was called to be sent 
out and to do what the Lord had called him for. Uh, remember, he said, here I am, send me. And so the Lord told Isaiah, go and tell his people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving, make the heart of his, of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see me with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed that turn and be healed, which means turn from their wicked ways. So God was telling Isaiah not to, to go to his people and tell them not to rely on their, their natural senses, but that they may have an understanding, uh, with their eyes, with their spiritual eyes, with their here, with their spiritual ears, in a sense of using their spiritual hearts to feel and come under agreement with the transforming power of God. Um, and so he said to him, turn and be healed. And that turning represents a turning from wickedness, healing, healing from trauma, whatever it may be, um, healing from their trauma, healing from their sin, healing from their rebellion. Uh, but it is to turn and be healed. So here we have Isaiah, um, who was, like I said, can be classified or categorized um, as a social ju- as a social justice prophet, um, the biblical social justice prophet, um, who can also be ca- classified as a revolutionary and before he goes out he is burned with fire jeremiah was also a revolution a lot of the first of all all, uh, nearly all the prophets were in some way shape or form bringing about social change a social change and revolution within the societies uh they they lived in so jeremiah even him um god told him to eat the scroll um and then and, and we know that obviously like i said jeremiah eventually said the scroll being the word of god he said the word of God is in me and it's like fire shut up in my bones, meaning I can't contain it. Whatever I feel, whatever I, whatever has been placed on the inside of me is so heavy that I cannot contain it. it um, it's a sort of boldness, a sort of courage. And I've tried to reel it in. However, I just cannot seem to do so. And so revolutionaries and those called for such as a time like this, because as we see, not everybody Christians yes are called to advocate for justice are called to be administrators of justice but as we see not everybody really has the eye the spiritual eye or ear to hear or the ear to hear or the spiritual heart to understand so therefore those some people have it as a passion or as an interest but this is the time where those who have been mantled and those who have given a mandate to administer justice whether it be in education health care the government the radical ones are coming and they have been born by fire Ask any revolutionary at one point they begin to they came into knowledge of a thing and it began to be like fire and excitement within them and they couldn't stop talking about it it consumed them when you talk to people who are born um, or who have been called to revival the word of God gets in them their minds are transformed and they can't stop telling people they can't stop talking about it They can't stop telling people of the goodness of Jesus. Like David said, I have tasted and seen. And so the radical ones are coming. That's why Amos 5 and 24 says it describes justice as water. Because we're going to see who can swim. We are going to see who has been preparing for this moment. And have been building up their stamina. But we're also going to see those who can barely stay afloat. And those who are undertaken with the current. And so revivalists and revolutionaries are born by fire. Um, And remember, Isaiah was also the one um, in in chapter six, verse one, who said that uh, Jesus would proclaim liberty to the captives. Um, And he also was the one who told us. Um, not, not chapter six, verse one, but Isaiah was the one who, um, would proclaim liberty to the captives. Um, and he also said that Isaiah, Isaiah in the book of Isaiah, he was also the one who said that, um, to learn to do good, um, defend the oppressed, um, seek righteous, I mean, seek justice and so forth. Um, child, I might just butcher that whole that whole chapter but y'all know y'all y'all get what i'm saying amen amen um 
And so um, now if we get into the Acts of the Apostles, we know that when Jesus left, they were sitting in the upper room and that the Holy Spirit had came upon them. Um, and, and we see in Acts 2 and 3, and oftentimes the Holy Spirit is associated with fire um, because he's what gives us boldness. He's what gives us courage. He's what gives us, um, he's what purifies us because he's living inside of us. And the Holy Spirit, one of the things that he is, is a change or a purge um, advocate or a purge or a change agent, I should say. Um, because now that he's living within us, all that is not good, all that is not like God, he will take and expel out. Um, so Acts 2 talks about the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So if we go a little bit further down, um, it, Peter recognizes that this was the prophecy uh, that was stated in Joel. In these last days, God says, last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Um, and then further down, just a um, skip a little bit. Um, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So there's the element of fire again. Um, and I talk about fire, um, in the sense that there is something that happens in the life of every person who is called to revival and revolution. Um, and that is that there are some type of purifying, there is some type of coming to the knowledge of. And so um, this is how you identify a true revolutionary, a true revivalist. Um, and so after that, we see that the apostles begin to spread the gospel. And this, and I tweeted this on my Twitter, and it kind of became like the, I don't know, like the thesis <laughs> statement for this episode, uh, that the apostles began, began to build and set up a socialized society in which um, themselves and their followers and members of the churches that they, that they built and that they established um, mastered the art of re uh, redistribution of goods, of wealth, of resources, of protection. Um, and not only that, but despite being persecuted, the apostles were able to fortify themselves um, and fortify their communities despite being under terror um, because the Romans child was terrorizing them, folks. Um, and so... Um, we see evidence of this because Acts four thirty two and thirty five says, "Now the whole group of those who believe were one of were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owed was everything they owned was held in common. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to." each as any had need. And so we see that there has taken place. Um, the death and the coming of the Holy Spirit was revival or revolution um, in itself. And so remember the definition of revolution was a forcible overthrow of a government or a social order. In this case, if we're talking about the spiritual aspect, we see that the kingdom of darkness has been overthrown and there is a new order. A part of that new order, a new system, a new order is built by the church um, and by the early apostles. One which... Um, that there is no part because remember Jesus oftentimes called himself. Uh, he always rallied for the poor and he charged um, and called those who were rich, who were, who had greater provision to take care of the poor um, and to take care of those who are thirsty because he himself exhibited it throughout his life um, and throughout his ministry. And so one of the bases, one of the principles of these communities was to take care of the lesser, was to take care of the needy people, um, all of those 
who were vulnerable. Um, and then furthermore, um, not only did they establish this a part of their new order, um, but even once they were scattered, and this is where revival and revolution go hand in hand. Because in Acts chapter 4, actually Acts chapter 8, excuse me, the um, when Acts 4 chapter 32 and 35, that's when it talks about, it gives us a bit of imagery of the new system and new order that, I, that the apostles built. But later on in chapter 8, um, it says that the first martyr, which was Stephen, um, happened. And then we see that the Christians are scattered um, actually by Saul. Saul, who was one of who later was Paul. We're going to get into that in a second. Um, but they were scattered. Um, and even in being scattered, they held close to communities. Um, and later on in cha Acts chapter 8, it says that um, they continue to spread the gospel. So this is why revival and revolution go hand in hand. Because despite being under persecution, despite um, undergoing in a, in a constant re revolution, these people still spread the gospel. Their message was still the same of centering Christ, um, the, 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 the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, and even foremost, if you want to kind of get technical, uh, but not even technical, but this is just evidence. Um, also, going back to Acts chapter four and five, uh, Peter and John uh, were imprisoned. And I talk about this because um, political prisoners are always a topic of discussion when it comes to revolution. Um And a lot of times whenever the government, an oppressive government or corrupt government, um, polices and imprisons people for doing something they don't like um that is not necessarily a crime um but which i don't believe if the christians if the early apostles if they were satisfied with um telling the gospel but still at the same time coming into agreement um of the oppression um, of the Roman government, there may not have been as much persecution. Granted, the Pharisees still not still did not like them, still did not like the gospel, the message of the gospel. But one thing the message of the gospel does is it confronts what a lot of these perverse and a lot of these corrupt governments are built on, which is perversion, which is pride, which is greed, uh, misogyny, racism, um, and the love of money. So therefore it's impossible this is why i say the gospel is resistance it's impossible to live among a society a corrupt society governed by a corrupt government and actively live the gospel and not at some point become an enemy of that society or of that government and that is evident in the arrest of peter and john both apostles who were imprisoned um and then even furthermore, uh, evidence is Acts 11, chapter 20, I mean, Acts chapter 11, verse 29. And it says, then the disciples, every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren, which dwelt in Judea. And then later on, Acts 21, a great number of believe, a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And so there we see after having been scattered over these past couple of chapters and being persecuted, um, even when they went their separate ways, they still established their communities apart from their bigger community. And they sent relief to each other. Um, and this is the fortification that we see, the provision that we see, um, that God gives us the blueprint through the through the actions of the apostles that's why it's called the acts of the apostles because they're laying the blueprint for us um and even i want to talk about saul because i think a great deal of this revi revival revolution is that there are agents of mammon mammon is a god um a demon, a well, not even just a demon child, a principality um, that rules, um, and he is the god of money, the god, or more so, the god of um, excessive wealth, of greed, um, and he operates through sexism, he operates through racism, and through capitalism. Let's be honest, uh, capitalism um, is a system which oppresses poor people and the vulnerable in order to protect an elite class of those who have excessive wealth um, and those who are rich to protect and preserve their privilege, uh, because that's what America is ran by.
That's what I that the founding fathers, um, most of them were elite, elitist, um, were very privileged white men. So the way that they set this country up was to protect that. Um, however, I do believe one of the things, this is again, why revolution needs revival, because when you have the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, it's inevitable that people are going to be turned. People are going to come from amongst them, come from their wicked ways. Um, like it said in Isaiah, turn and be healed. Saul is a direct a direct piece of substantial evidence of that. Um, he is confirmation of that because this man was hunting Jews. I mean, not Jews, um, but he was hunting Christians. Uh, he was literally going around and murdering them. He was one of the ones who was scattering them, who caused them to be scattered. Uh, but remember, Paul was one of the one of, was actually one of the men, not one of the men. He was the man who wrote majority of the New Testament, um, as far as like Romans, Corinthians, Hebrews, um, and so forth. I, yeah, did Paul write Hebrews, child? But yeah, he wrote most of the the a lot of the New Testament. Amen. Amen. Um. And so, and so Paul, um, Paul became one of the fathers. Um, he was a Gentile, but he became one of the loud voices of, um, or he was the, I'm sorry, he was the apostle of the Gentiles, um, because he was so socially competent. Um, so we know that on the, on the way to Damascus, he's blinded by a great light. Now, remember what does fire mean in the Greek? Phos, which is what, which is the equivalent to light. Uh, Paul was stopped by light and he was blinded. And from there, God turned him from Saul to Paul. Um, he, and instead of persecuting Christians, he became a Christian and he became to speak out against the same systems and government that he was once a part of and he began to lead people further into revolution and establish buildings and establish these communities which he was once trying to tear apart one of the most convincing um the the most convincing parts of this whole thing um is that this is what makes the revolution and revival so different from every other revolution. This is why you must have revival in the midst of revolution is because to sustain a movement and, and sustain momentum, you must have the heart of man transform. And that is, that is what the gospel does. The gospel transforms the hearts of man, um, which is why we got Saul into Paul. And so there is coming a day and age when those who perpetuated systems, those who participated willfully in systems, those who persecuted um, and terrorized the vulnerable and the oppressed um, and, and the Christians and those administering justice. There is going to come a time during this current revival and revolution when Mammon's own agents, his own terrorists, his own governments, people of his governments, his own politicians, his own police officers do turn away from him. And they do proclaim they will begin to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and will begin to proclaim the word of justice. Um. And so I think that Saul's story is one of the most pivotal points when it comes to intersecting that revival point to revolution. Uh, because when you think, when you think about it, we wouldn't have had so much success when it came to the Gentiles um, and him being able to be so socially aware and competent when it came to engaging with them. If Paul was not changed from Saul, um, if he was not changed from being if God had not picked him, a man who understood the Romans, who understood the minds of those who hated the Christians. He was a necessary part of revival and revolution. And like I said, because he was changed from the road of Damascus, um, from Saul to Paul by light, remember, AKA by fire, because in the Greek, they are the equivalent of each other. He is a revolutionary and a revivalist, and he is an important part to church history. And this is where they intersect. His story shows that this is why you cannot have either or you must have both. He literally puts and. I'll say this. We've had this notion that Christianity is the oppressor's religion, the white man's religion. Uh, but what we have actually seen is that if people can take Islam, if people can take other religions and turn into extremists um, and alter and pervert um, 
the basic principles or foundations, then then the Bible is really not um, excluded from that. And so we say that the Bible is the white man's or the oppressor's religion, um, but the entire Bible is literally an ongoing story of a sovereign God who we call El Roy and El Shaddai, who always comes through for the oppressed people in some way, shape, or form. Um, who comes through for the woman, who comes through for the black man um, or the oppressed man, who comes through for those um, who are vulnerable, who comes through for the poor. Um, so the argument is, is essentially just not real. Um, it's not, not, not that it's not real, but it's false. Um, it's built on faulty information. Um, and so it's not a white man or oppressor's religion, but it is a religion which is manipulated by oppressors. Uh, because there's no way that you have, which is why um, so many slaves were giving Bibles with pages ripped out of them, uh, with with words crossed out of them, and that is because um, yes, the Bible teaches to some teaches us about submission, but it also talks about liberation and submission to God coming from being liberated out of the hand of the oppressors. Um, so every social norm, every corruption, Jesus rebelled against. The gospel is resistance. Misogyny, uh, greed, racism, poverty are all things he opposed. Um, and yet um, at that time where social norms, the church, the Pharisees had came into agreement with the laws and the foundation of the lands of that misogyny, greed and corruption. Um However, but as we see in Acts 11, even after Jesus has died and he has delivered and ministered the ultimate justice, uh, we see the banding together of a people around the gospel, uh, which fortifies them uh, despite being under persecution, which they begin to prosper and which starts a whole entire new order um, or lays the blueprint for us to follow. Um and so in the midst of revolution, it's imperative that we realize um, that Jesus has already given us the laws. He's already given us the basis of this new order, of this new system, which to follow. And that is to be um, unapologetically radical followers of Jesus Christ. And being followers of Jesus Christ um, means that he, that we have the ability to set up society and to affect change in communities to where there is no man um, who is is richer and allows and walks by his brother to be poor, which does not allow the man to step over the woman, which does not allow the white man um, to step over and kick his black brother. But this is an order which all men are truly created equal and all men have their liberation um, from every system, from every corrupt government and from the devil himself. Um, Jesus Christ forces the government, he forces corrupt governments, he forces the kingdom of darkness to to renounce their claim from a people's life. And then he goes and he gives a word and he gives prophecy and he gives teaching to these same people to build the community, to build the lives um, which he has for them, which include an abundance of shelter, of protection, um, and of provision. There is no, there's nothing um, in the Bible of Christianity. Um, the, you have men who are raised up and use it to oppress people. But the God of justice um, comes to set the oppressed free. He claims liberty, not he claims, but he proclaims liberty to the oppressed. Um, so an effectual new order must have shared provision, protection, um, and being centered by the love of Christ and salvation, which is on a constant mission to set the captives free. Um, and that's what it is about. It is about revival and revolution. There is no one without the other. There is no success without one or the other. Revival and re revolution, true revolution, true revival, they intersect. And they will not only impact the hearts of a people, but because the hearts of a people are truly changed, the, 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 the entire foundation of a land, the entire government of a land, and the entire society and culture will be changed. Justice is the revival. And the revival and revolution have come and neither of them will be televised. Um, and that's all that we have today. I hope you all enjoy your Juneteenth. Um, and of course, um, of course, as we're cel celebrating freedom and liberation, liberation, you know, freedom ish. 
uh, child because they still out here enslaving folks to the mass incarceration and prison industrial comp- uh, um, complex. However, at the end of the day, you know, we free-ish, so we're going to celebrate being free-ish. Um, but yes, please enjoy your Juneteenth. Celebrate your blackness. Celebrate your freedom. Uh, remember your ans- our ancestors and their... Um, resilience um that we're still alive and we're still here to continue and fight um for justice and fight for liberation um guys it's only it's only going to progress it's only going to progress so be encouraged do not lose hope um the enemy wants us to be hopeless um but hope which is stored in the hearts of men and stored in the hearts of women essentially weaken his power because one of the sign, one of the things for miracles, um, the breeding ground for miracles is expectancy is hope. Um, and miracles don't just come as tongues don't just come as shouting, um, but they come as policy change. They do come as revolution and overthrowing uh, corrupt systems. They do come, um, you know, People, when you think about some of these old governments and old systems which were oppressive, you would think that they wouldn't their 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 rule would never relinquish. Um, back in those times, I imagine no one would imagine Rome would ever fall. Um, however, Mammon will fall. Um, the kingdom of darkness throughout history, no matter how much it puffs itself up to be, will always have to bow when the horse and the rider comes, the one who is faithful and true. Um, so be encouraged, guys. Do not lose hope. Don't lose f- sight of what we're doing in this fight for justice. Uh, remember to center the love of Christ. Um, Jesus is resistance. His gospel is resistance. Every Thing he did was an act of resistance. Um, every time he cared somebody, every time he embraced somebody that the Pharisees or that the Romans didn't see to be embraceable, he practiced resistance. Um, so yeah, love is resistance. The gospel is resistance. Um, and we will fortify. Um, there will be a new system established. Um, the rule of mammon, the rule of money, the rule of capitalism, the rule of racism, the rule of sexism will be overthrown. Um, and if any government decides to fight, continues to fight on the side of mammon and his agents, um, that government will be overruled and overthrown as well. Uh, but the kingdom of God, um, comes to establish itself, um, and it comes um, as a sword dividing, um, but it comes also to be a stream of righteousness. So be encouraged, guys. I love you. Um, I will hopefully talk to you all soon. Um, and yeah, enjoy your Juneteenth, child. Leave work early. Um, don't let your coworkers talk to you no type of way. Um, tell somebody to send some money to your cash app, period. And that's on reparations. And yeah, I love y'all. Eat some good food. Have a great day. You are liberated. Um, no matter what they try to do to us. Um, he is Emmanuel. The God of justice is Emmanuel and he is with us. God is with us. He is on our side. He is fighting for us. He's a long suffering God. Uh, but child, he will empty the clip after a while. You keep playing with him. So we thank the Lord and I hope that you are blessed. I hope you all have a blessed weekend and a blessed day. Um, love you guys.